Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. My expectation, hope is that uh, uh, this will be uh, closing down sooner than later. But uh, Israel has a right to defend itself when you have thousands of rockets flying into your territory. Israel has a right to defend itself. No way. That's not that's not neutral language. It takes a side, the side of occupation, said AOC yesterday. Um, a number of people uh, clapping back against what AOC called the blanket statement that Biden made that doesn't acknowledge the violence that Israel has perpetrated upon the Palestinians. Uh, I've got more on that, and it's interesting. I don't remember people, elected representatives in our own government, being this pro-Palestinian before. Yeah, some of your squad gals. Ayanna Presley is hardcore, and uh, what's her name from uh, Minnesota? Ilhan Omar. Uh, the one that got the most attention on my Twitter feed, anyway, today was the Talib woman from Michigan. Oh yeah, uh, I've got more of her tweets and stuff. But to, for 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 the average person who may not follow this this closely, lay out the. I think everybody gets the pro-Israeli side of this argument, don't yeah. they? Yeah, it's a uh, it's it's a democracy. Um, it's a ally of the United States. It's under constant threat. It's been attacked several times. Has to defend itself. Um, what is the lefty college student view of what's happening? Well, I'll, I'll give you the the crayon version, and not even the like the the, the fancy thin crayons, like the big I'm a four year old crayon version <laughs> of it. Uh, the, the, a lot of people believe the creation of Israel was unjust back in the day, stole land from the the Palestinian people, and now Israel has expanded its territory a couple of times to defend itself after being attacked. Uh, that's the occupation that they speak of. Uh, they're mad about uh, you know discriminatory laws within uh, Israel. Um, you know, fences and, and borders, and, and the Israelis don't mess around. If they perceive a threat, they whoop ass, and that's ugly. If you've ever seen actual ass-whooping military style, it's an ugly thing, and it's a scary thing. And people see that, and, and there's, uh, there's an impulse, especially among the young, to always side with the weaker uh, body, the weaker group. It's uh, under oh, dogma. Yeah, right. The, the oppressed, the oppress-oppressor thing. They're obsessed with that. Jonah Goldberg tweeted out yesterday, I've never understood why this is so complicated. Israel, for all its faults, tries very hard not to murder civilians. Hamas, despite whatever good it does, tries very hard to murder innocent people, including children, as mm-hmm. they as they were yesterday. Um, you know, I heard it uh, said, I think, best, and it's an oversimplica- hmm? oversimplification, but I think there's wisdom in it. If uh, Hamas and similar groups laid down their arms, there would be no war. If Israel laid down its arms, there would be no Israel. So I get all the squad members mixed up. The one from Michigan is Rashid Tlaib. Mm -hmm. She tweeted out yesterday, if you're having trouble finding the courage to speak up against Israel's actions and stop supporting this inhumane violence, try imagining that this family isn't Palestinian. Maybe then they'll deserve human rights. She tweeted that at President Biden and Secretary Blinken. Wow. And I don't remember in my lifetime represent you know there were there were always uh, you know college students or uh, spokesmen on television or whatever but I don't remember reps in the house saying to the president try to imagine them as being you know not people of color 
maybe then they'll deserve human rights, that sort of thing, to the President of the United States. Wow. And, uh, you know, when there's that sort of infighting in the Republican Party, it makes all the news it's such a big deal. How about that kind of infighting in the Democrat Party? I mean, that's 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 some pretty strong stuff to say to the president and the secretary of state. Well, you called him out as a racist and a uh, supporter of uh, probably genocide. I'm sure somebody's thrown around the word genocide. They uh, Was it Diana Presley or one of those? Uh, Rashid Tlaib said it's uh, ethnic cleansing. So she tweeted along a video in which it says Israeli mob and police try to break into a Palestinian family's home in Haifa. This is the terror Palestinians are facing right now under the Israeli state. Another blue check mark who's not so crazy. Replying to Rashid uh, Talib said the video actually depicts police arresting uh, this, this guy in Haifa. One, once again, you're spreading lies. It's somebody that uh, a criminal that needed to be arrested. It was a misrepresentation of a video. And she is tweeting out something that's not true. This is a lie. This was police executing an arrest on a man who is Israeli, actually. Rashida Tlaib has repeatedly spread blood libel aimed at Jews. This is a member of Congress. Why is her Twitter account not being suspended? Why isn't she being condemned? Which is a pretty good question. She's spreading a conspiracy that's not true against a minority. Right. It's it's okay to be anti-Semitic, though, on the left. Has been for years. You just have to couch it in the right terms. And by the way, I freely acknowledge it's okay to criticize Israel. That's not necessarily anti-Semitic. I've never had had a problem with criticizing Israel. I've always thought that if you say Israel did something wrong and somebody yells anti-Semite at you, that that's just ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. And I'm not comfortable with a lot of the uh, Israeli expansion into areas and building the the settlements and all that sort of stuff. But in this particular dust-up here, well, it's like Jonah Goldberg said. One side is trying to stop the rockets from coming in and avoiding civilians. The other side is doing the opposite, trying to kill as many civilians as possible. Well, and and part of the problem is that uh, Hamas is famous for basing their uh, rocket batteries in apartment buildings and schools and hospitals mosques so that when the israelis do uh retaliate they will have some great pr to show around the world they're very sophisticated at that oh right so aoc uh, her tweets about the uh, president using blanket statements um with little context or acknowledgement of what precipitated the cycle of violence including the attacks on the al-aqsa mosque which started it and a blue check mark who doesn't agree with her said, attacks on Al-Aqsa, shameful to see an American politician promoting one of the most famous propaganda lines Islamists have used for a century to stir up violence and rooting against Jews. Israel did not attack the Al-Aqsa mosque. This is a lie that has gotten a lot of people killed. Once again, you got another member of Congress that's spreading lies, uh, conspiracies that have been mm-hmm. around forever, tropes, as they always call them when, when white supremacists use them. Uh Racist tropes, yep. Yeah, clearly. But uh, all the uh, censorship on on your social media is one-sided. Everybody knows it. And the uh, 30,000-foot view from here is, uh, how do you like identity politics? This is critical race theory at work. This is defining people by their ethnicity and and forming up politics on that basis. Sean and I were talking the other day, and his belief is he takes in a lot more of that end of the, uh, the Twitter feed than I do is that Trump is the only thing holding the Democrats, the the left, together. Trump holds the the left together in that they all hate Trump. But if you didn't have that single uh, lodestar to focus on, there's so much disagreement among the left over, uh, you know, wokeism or critical race theory or Israel-Palestine or so many different things you could get into. 
Yeah, oh, that's homeless architecture. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Pardon me? Yeah, we were using the example of the, the, the cities that are building their benches so people oh. can't sleep on them, and some of the left rising up in opposition of that's hate and everything. Nah, well, sure, think, anytime think... the cops try to clear out a, a bum and junkie camp, there are the, the enormous demonstrations against it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, getting back to the squad people, they are absolutely radicals. They are dangerous. They, If their thinking infects the American people as effectively as it seems to be, that's not good. Uh, and they are still swapping missiles there in uh, Israel. So that's that story, and we'll keep you updated on it. The, the very slogan of our country, e pluribus unum, out of many one, uh, that is hotly disputed by your Ibram X. Kendis and your squad and and folks of that bent, the idea that we should unite as a country is obscene to them. We should separate. Separate by every conceivable measure. Black from white, from Hispanic, from handicapped, from lesbian, to, to whatever. It's terrible. Ellen DeGeneres announced yesterday that she's leaving her show after 19 years. She no longer finds it challenging, and she's going to step down at, from... Isn't she the one of the top paid... People, I know you went through the salaries of this not long ago. She makes yeah. gazillions of dollars off of that show. Oh, yeah. You want to get rich? Do a show for housefrows in the middle of the day. Unlike the Judge Judys of the world who will hang on to that gig until they're dead, or, or Dr. Phil or whoever, she's walking away from a gold mine of a show. I'm sure she's got she's got more money than she could spend anyway. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. She's... Well, and things have gotten a little ugly since those rumors came out or stories that she was a cruel taskmaster or whatever it was. I can force myself to pay attention no and i don't care but she says that didn't have anything to do with it she just doesn't feel it's a challenge anymore which could be maybe she'll go back to stand-up i don't know um uh we got to figure out how to get a chunk of that daytime tv money i don't know i don't know what what do you got to talk about every single day what topics you need to be on i don't care you just tell me just put the words (laughs) on the teleprompter i'll read them best i can all right Brought to you by Tide for oh. whiter whites and brighter colors. Oh, and just because we were talking about who makes the most money, Ellen DeGeneres, one of them, uh, Conor McGregor, according to Forbes, is the richest athlete in the world. Boy, did he have a 2020. I didn't know this. It was just a few years ago. He was getting up at 5 o'clock every morning, six days a week, and going and working as a plumber 12 hours a day just to make a living, living on his mom's floor, I think. Wow. Yeah, he was in a, sharing a room with his girlfriend in his mom's house, and he had a 12-hour-a-day, six-day-a-week job as a plumber. On the floor, though, his mom wouldn't let him up on the sofa like a dog? Last year, he made $180 million, making Yikes. him far and away the uh, top-paid athlete in the world. And he sucker-punched an old guy in the head, too. And he's a bit of a scumbag, crazy yeah. person. Well, he's crazy. Yeah. 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 Oh, speaking of crazy... When Colorado deputies responded to a call of a, a dead body, what they found will shock you. Stay tuned to be shocked! Armstrong and Getty. hour we'll get to the story in the new york times about inflation inflation is here it's front page of the wall street journal it's the major story in the new york times today and they talk a lot about the psychology of it and once we get in the mindset of inflation it's hard to get out of it oh boy that's just what we need delightful 
Uh, we had a chat yesterday. Uh, we recorded an Armstrong and Getty Extra Large podcast with Neil Ferguson of the Hoover Institution, author of many fine books and just brilliant, brilliant guy. I just, I, I wish we could have talked to him all day, but he was on a bit of a schedule. Uh, but we chatted with him about. He doesn't have endless free time to talk to me. That's surprising. <laughs> we talked about uh, his new book, uh, Doom, The Politics of Catastrophe. And here's a little chunk of that. What do you give the world for a grade on reacting to this 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 horrible thing that that struck us a year ago? Yeah, I I have to say that the F it comes to mind at this point, and uh, you know you don't need to take it from me because there's a, a new report that's just come out, the independent panel, uh, which. Uh, has, I think, arrived at somewhat similar conclusions to my own, namely that this was an avoidable disaster. If we had acted the way, say, the Taiwanese and the South Koreans did uh, early, quickly ramping up testing and creating contact tracing, isolating people who were infected, we, we did not need to have a global pandemic. And indeed, Taiwan did not have significant excess mortality at all. I think 12 people have died of COVID in Taiwan, and they're right next to China. So we know that this did not have to be this way. We know that we did not have to have more than half a million Americans die prematurely. Uh, the 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 problem, I think, is that, that we are seeking simplistic narratives about this story, uh, which are going to lead us to miss what is really amiss, uh, what is really wrong. After all, this is not the only disaster that we have handled badly in recent times. I, I don't think you could claim that we handled 9-11 brilliantly. Uh, certainly with the benefit of hindsight, invading Iraq doesn't seem like the best possible reaction to that crisis. Financial crisis, well, on paper, we were prepared. We had all kinds of regulations in place, but that was a pretty big debacle. And then on paper, we were prepared for a pandemic. It was just that maybe we got the wrong sort of pandemic. I don't know what the excuse would be. But I think there's a pattern here of, of failure, and I don't think it's always been this way uh, because we, we have great scientific knowledge. We, we understand a lot about the disasters that we are likely to encounter, but it feels to me as if our response has become less competent uh, compared, let's say, with the 1950s, when in the face of the so-called Asian flu of 1957, the Eisenhower administration was able to cope with the, the challenge and deal with the disruption of, of excess mortality without shutting the economy down, without letting the deficit explode, without creating all the kinds of, I think, avoidable uh, and, and costly mistakes that, that were made in 2020. One of the premises of the book, which is so good because we've long agreed with it, is that we're, we're saddled with an enormous middle management problem in government. Bureaucracies are so big, so bloated, so self-serving. Good ideas go there to die. Uh, middle managers who don't want to get in trouble uh, shift data as needed. And even if the leadership at the top is good and effective and, and knows what to do, it often gets perverted or watered down or just dies in the middle of the bureaucracies. Who's the individual or the room full of individuals at the CDC, for instance, that said, let's say less than 10% of transmissions occur outdoors. Let's say that when the reality is it's point. Zero one percent at, at the, most. At most, and that's yeah. a, there's not actually a single case that they can identify. But let's call it less than ten percent. Who decided that? Nobody knows. I haven't heard that person explain themselves. 
No, and that's the oldest technique in the book. You say, well, there were problems within the department. Because you can't fire a building. You can't yell at a building. Hey, you suck, building. <laughs> right, and exactly. You kick it really hard. Just we'll walk down Constitution Avenue in, uh, in D.C. yelling at the various giant buildings. So nobody is ever held to account. Uh, you know what? I, we need to have plenty of time for this story. It's the lighter side of corpse abuse, if you will. So stay with us. Uh, plus, Jack's going to scare us to death about inflation. The, the truth is, these deputies in Colorado were called to investigate a report of, of a death. And when they got to the house, in one of the bedrooms, a shrine had been made around what appeared to be the mummified remains of a woman. Oh, jeez. Placed on the bed, the woman's body was cocooned in a sleeping bag adorned with Christmas lights. Ew. While glitter makeup had been applied around her eyes. Ah. The body is believed to be that of Amy Carlson, 45-year-old cult leader oh, okay. of a, a group called Love Has Won. So she, was she in on it? Uh, yeah, more or less. She was, she was the leader of the thing. They don't think there was any foul play. Um, she claimed that uh, as one of her thousands of previous lives, she was Jesus Christ. Uh, well, I'll be darned. Apparently. Oh, and she claimed that she could speak to the spirit of Robin Williams. Oh, that's handy. It's an interesting claim for a cult leader. A little more cook-up. John Wayne? <laughs> Marilyn, just, just uh, Robin Williams. So they were all charged with uh, abusing a corpse. Is putting glitter makeup on a dead person abuse? I say no. What say you? <laughs> Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. It's just so dangerous. Cars are dangerous when they're being driven by humans. They're dangerous when they're being driven by robots that haven't been certified. I've been brake checked before really hard, and the car stopped. It came to a complete stop. Like Elon Musk really knows what he's doing, and I think people are just tripping and they're scared. That's a guy who got arrested for being in the backseat of his Tesla, which is against the law in California. He was in <laughs> rush hour traffic in the San Francisco Bay Area, like peak of rush hour, sitting in the back at the toll booth on one of the uh, tollways, and uh, somebody called the police, and the police pulled up to him. And then when the police uh, uh, went to arrest him, he climbed over into the front seat again, I guess to pull the car over or whatever. But anyway... Um, I don't know. I feel like they got to work that whole thing out. The The real advantage to a driverless car to me is I don't have to drive it. If I'm going to drive it, I'll drive it. I don't like the idea of sitting there having to pay it. And, and it's unrealistic to expect people to pay attention if you're not actually driving it. It just won't happen. Well, if I'm paying attention, why am I not driving it? Well, that's what I mean. It's it, not like it's painful to turn the steering wheel or anything. And if you're going to go with the, no, 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 it, it's better at it, You but you need to be ready to take over if it makes a mistake. People, that's unrealistic to expect mm-hmm. people to do that. You're going to start daydreaming or looking at your phone or whatever. You just are. Especially like, you know, the first time you get in your self-driving Tesla, the first time to work, okay, maybe you pay attention. Because you're time, terrified. The yes. second time you mostly pay attention. You know, two weeks in, you're spend you're sound asleep, or you spend the whole time, you know, scroll, scrolling your phone or catching up on some work you needed to get done or something. Sure. Yeah. And why not? Well, because it's dangerous. Um, and if they're gonna so this it- guy, I, I hear, I heard somewhere this guy's incorrigible. He's gotten busted a few times for it or something. Yeah, he for this very same thing. And uh, kind of paraphrasing his stance, I don't believe there is a number of tickets that are going to get him in the driver's seat of his autopiloted car. <laughs> awesome, it's a brave stance, sir. 
So I'm imagining this scenario as I do this segment. I'm keeping this in the back of my head. Uh, hey, honey, what radio show is that you listen to? I listen to the one that sounds like a bad version of a community college economics class. That's what I'm trying to avoid here. Wow, that's an unkind review. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to avoid here, this whole inflation thing. Inflation rose at its fastest rate since September 2008. Well, we didn't, all, we didn't all become cannibals, uh, you know, the next month in 2008. Things settled back down and got under control, but it's a worry. And, uh, you know, with all the money being pumped out the door and so many things going up, uh, there's a concern that might inflation might actually be back. And I'll read a little bit from the New York Times and Wall Street Journal, which spent a lot of time focused on that today. Um... The Wall Street Journal. Is this going to be on the test? <laughs> yes, I wouldn't be telling you if it wasn't important. I like when the teacher would say, no, it's not going to be a test. Everybody would be I like, I lay back. <laughs> Start staring at the ceiling again, because I have no interest in learning anything. I only just... <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Um, I'll read from the Wall Street Journal opinion piece first. Inflation is always and everywhere a monetary phenomenon. This is from their editorial board, as Milton Friedman put it. For more than a year, the Fed has been pursuing expansionary policy for the ages. It has been keeping rates near zero and expanding its balance sheet to record levels with bond purchases in in an economy that has been growing fast for more than nine months. The prediction right now is for a second quarter growth of 11%. The danger is that expectations for higher inflation will rise and become embedded in business and consumer decisions. Transitory, that's what federal uh, uh, Fed Chair Powell is saying, this is just a transitory thing as we get back from the pandemic economy to the regular economy, just a short transition thing, which the Wall Street Journal is hoping is right. he's right. Transitory then becomes longer, and the Fed might have no choice but to end the party, perhaps more abruptly than it wants. The Fed would end the party by raising interest rates to try to cool off the economy, and you never know how far they might have to raise them to actually get that to happen. I was looking up just now, uh, McDonald's is announcing nationwide they're raising wages. So many different businesses are doing this. You raise wages. Um, you got to raise the price of your food to cover the wages. So that's one more thing that goes up. And and we just, well, let me get to the New York Times article about it then, because it will get into the psychology a little bit. Yes, Joe. Well, I was just going to say, and remember, it's government policy that's forcing the rise in wages. You have to compete with the government now to hire someone. Oh, yeah. Well, you government can't leave, benefits. You can't leave that out. Inflation is here. What now, says Neil Irwin of the New York Times. Prices are rising fast in ways that seem temporary, yet this could change expectations in a way that are self-reinforcing. I must admit that I am new to this phenomenon of uh, inflation is so much psychological. I didn't realize until I did several deep dives on long podcasts and uh, articles how much of it is just... We get in the mindset that prices are going up, and then we all participate in it. The central fact of the American economy in mid-2021 is that demand for all sorts of goods and services has surged. But supplies are coming back slowly with the economy acting like a creaky machine that was turned off for a year and has some rusty parts. Higher prices and the other problems that result from an economy that reboots itself are frustrating, but they might be temporary. The longer the surges in prices continue, though... And the more parts of the economy that they encompass, the greater the chances that American psychology about prices and inflation could shift in ways to become self-sustaining. And that is very difficult to get out of. Get into a couple of uh, examples here. Now the genie's out of the bottle, says this MIT economist. 
If everybody else is raising prices, it becomes a lot easier for you to do that, too. Getting to the whole McDonald's example we just used a second ago. To understand the bewildering mix of forces at play, consider what's going on at your nearest used car lot. The price of used cars and trucks rose 10% in April. If wow. you had a car that was worth $20,000 at the beginning of April and sold it, you missed out on two grand. Wow. That's unbelievable. Uh, it's its steepest year-over-year jump that they can remember ever happening. People in the car business says this doesn't have just one cause, but several, each with different implications for the economy and for the policy, which is really the point of this New York Times article, is each example you've got of prices going up has multiple complicated things going on here. And so you don't know how it's going to turn out. Some involve the microeconomic decisions made by companies and consumers many months ago that are still rippling through the auto market. I'll give you some examples on the used car thing. Rental car companies reduced their fleets during the pandemic-induced collapse in travel and now are struggling to rebuild their inventories and therefore are not selling the used cars that in a normal market they would continually be unloading. A lot of cars that you get when you buy a used car, it was a rental car. They don't have any. New car sales fell last year during the pandemic, resulting in fewer trade-ins finding their way into the used car market. And now new car sales are being held back by a shortage of microchips. There isn't much government policy can do to fix those problems unless it involves a time machine. But government policies are part of the story. The combined $2,000 per person stimulus checks most Americans received in the early months of the year amounted to a healthy down payment for many families who wanted to get a car. Generous unemployment benefits are helping contain the number of delinquent delinquent auto loans, and in turn, the supplies of repossessed cars on the market are way down because people can afford to make their payment. Wow. I know. There's so many different angles to this. And that's just a car. And they, they, they give it examples with lumber and a bunch of other different things. There's so many things ha- happening at the same time. But the net result currently is prices are going up on practically everything. Boy, I hope the coming out of the COVID thing is most of this. Although the, the government can't pump trillions of dollars of printed money, borrowed money, into an economy without it having an effect. When, and, and not the good effect. When I was a kid, I would always hear grown-ups talking about inflation. Jerry Ford ran for president and lost against Jimmy Carter with a button that said, Win. W-I-N. Whip inflation now. Because inflation was such a big deal. My parents bought their first home when Jimmy Carter was president with an interest rate on their home of 18%. Yikes. That's what can happen when you have inflation. Well, as I recall, there was stagflation. The economy wasn't growing. It was inflation without growth. It was terrible. You know, we came out of it eventually, but it was uh, fairly long and painful. I I don't think that's probably coming. I don't think so either, but I'm hoping if there's enough talk in newspapers and talk radio and TV shows about the psychology of inflation, and we all realize that plays a role that maybe we won't all get sucked into it. Mm, come but on. I, but I doubt it. I point to the people f- filling half a dozen 50-gallon drums with gasoline, you know, in Florida or Georgia or whatever. There were videos from all over the southeast. People just, pan- not panic buying, like, filling all their cars, but hundreds of gallons hauling away, you know, those giant, like, uh, agricultural water tanks people were filling those with gasoline what are you going to do with that now well by the way we'll take a text from anybody that you know you maybe you know a lot more you quite possibly know a lot more about it than i do uh you want to join in on the text line 415-295-kftc 415-295-kftc but imagine the announcement comes down from the fed they think that inflation is starting to happen or it is happening and they need to cool it off so they raise interest rates 
A lot of people are going to think, well, you know, I was going to wait for a while to buy that car, but I better buy it now before the interest rates get even higher. I better buy that house. I better buy that, you know, I better remodel my kitchen. I better buy that big screen TV that I was going to get on payments. I better do it now before infl- before the interest rates go even higher, which, of course, increases that drives the inflation. So mm-hmm. it just it spirals. And how do you get out of it? Yikes. Yeah, you can get yeah, Take a long time. Yikes. Yeah. Great. Lovely. Just fantastic. The Attorney General of Washington State, among others, is urging Facebook to drop what may be the worst idea I've ever heard in my life. Are you saying that? You're saying (laughs) that? It's the worst idea you've ever heard? I'm sorry, I departed from the text there. I Yes, indeed, I am saying that the Washington Attorney General is urging Facebook to abandon plans for the worst thing ever, Instagram for young children. Oh, yeah, it's funny. Henry mentioned yesterday he wished he had an Instagram account because he took a picture of something. But uh, no, I don't want my kids on there. Do they yeah, have well, a Do they have an age limit currently? Uh I know the new thing is for kids under thirteen. So I'd imagine it's thirteen, but I don't know. Okay, and that's another thing you can tell us on the text line at four one five two nine five KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. We could do more Preakness Horse or Internet Streaming Series. See who can guess those correctly. It's an exciting radio game show. Uh, This just in, the Israeli army has called up 7,000 reservists. Leaves of active combat units have been suspended. And according to other news sources, uh, Israeli troops are gathering on the border with Gaza. So it looks like it's possible they're going to send in the troops and put an end to this. Yeah, I, I would like to talk more about that topic. I think there is a great unspoken truth kind of behind the scenes about what's going on now and love, what will in the future. I'd love to hear that. Uh, it, well, whether it's great or not, uh, you will be the judge of, but... I'll share that with you. This is definitely a truth worth speaking. Uh, this happens to be from the uh, from uh, Cairo TV 7 in uh, Seattle, so it's from a Washington state perspective. But the attorney general of that uh, great state joined over 40 other state attorneys general to urge Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg to abandon plans to create a new version of Instagram targeted to children, specifically children under the age of 13. Let us say the attorneys general have an interest in protecting the children of their states and that Facebook has historically failed to protect children across its platforms. So is the main concern that uh, people that aren't children would get involved? Well, there are a number of concerns. Number one, Instagram and selfies and and that whole world is corrosive to people's self-image and their emotional health. It already bothers me that my son getting so many points or likes or badges or whatever on various video games and he just becomes... You know, so excited about it. Yeah. Oh, boy. That's it's so nakedly manipulative. But they cite the increasingly negative effect on the physical, mental and emotional well-being of children. Uh, Studies have also indicated that after tracking the activity of 5.4 million children, the research found that Instagram was frequently highlighted for thoughts of suicide, depression, body image concerns. Uh, decreased self-esteem, decreased life satisfaction, etc., and also that it will become an absolute magnet for predators. Yeah, that, that's that's what it seems. How would you keep the predators off there? I, I like this. This is oh, well. Oh, jeez, yeah, that's horrible. 
This is well said. The attorneys general said that young children do not have a developed understanding of privacy, and they may not fully understand what content is appropriate to share with others. Children are also unable to maneuver the complexities of who they could encounter online, including strangers who may provide inappropriate content. Stupid, stupid children. They just don't understand things. Or attempt to build an online relationship using the anonymity of the Internet to hide themselves. This is I can't picture a worse idea. Pair that with the, we touched on the story briefly yesterday where there was that 50-year-old divorced dad who, through the face app, kind of just made him look like a younger girl. Yeah. Right? Like, that, that, that technology paired with, it's just, it just seems like a terrible combination in all ways. Yeah, no kidding. You could have uh, videos of a 50-year-old dude looks like a 13-year-old girl talking to other kids. And, yeah. That's oh, and finally, they'll decide to meet because they're online besties. Of and they course. understand each other and their parents are mean. Exactly. Oh, yeah, they know all the tricks, the predators. The letter also noted a recent mistake with Instagram's algorithm that was serving diet-related advertisements to users with eating disorders. Beautiful. My s- evil, evil, evil. My nine-year-old decided the other day, he said, I think I play video games too much. I just I just don't think it's good for me. Wow, what a fascinating kid. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going on in his head, but um, huh. I'll see if that sticks or not. It does squeeze out other stuff. I mean, it's just, you know, there's only so many hours of free time you have. Even if, if, even if there's nothing wrong with video games, if you do it a lot, you're not doing other things. Sure. Opportunity cost. And I wonder about all the things that might not have happened if video games existed. Would, you know, how many musicians through the ages may never have picked up the instrument and spent the time on it that they needed to? Or writers or, you know, whatever. If you'd had a video game around. Right, right. I've always said boredom is one of the greatest gifts children ever get because they will create something to do or, or meet people or explore, sometimes get into trouble, obviously. Um, but boredom's a gift. Yeah, and we all, adults too, I mean, I do it all the time. We, um, I go out of my way to make sure there's not a second of boredom in my day, which is really not good for you. Yeah. What would yeah. I do if I had more, if I, if I didn't distract myself with something on my phone all the time? Yeah. Boy, Judy and I are getting worse too, looking at her right. phones. You think you're going that together. direction? Yeah. I, th- I, I need to rediscipline myself. It's like, you know, eating badly or drinking too much or whatever. You have to reset every so often and say, wait oh, a minute, oh, yeah. this has got oh, yeah. out of control. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I, I, that's one of the reasons I bought the Apple Watch, although I still haven't taken it out of the box and I've had it for three months. <laughs> Had it for three months and still in the ah, baby step. It's still in the plastic. I haven't even taken the plastic off the box. <laughs> but um, the idea for me buying the the Apple Watch was okay. I've taken away that whole thing. I need to be in touch in case you know my kid texts or my wife texts or Joe texts something important. But I'm leaving my phone in the dang car. So if the text comes through, I'll see it on my dang watch. But I don't I don't need the phone to be scrolling the internet. So I thought that would help with that, but I haven't. Oh, that you know what that reminds it. me. Yeah, obviously. It's a good idea, though. I like the idea. Um, in recent filings, a medical tech company, and this is kind of a uh, following the uh, or reading the tea leaves thing, following connecting the dots. Um, it's a company that listed Apple as its largest customer going forward. What they make is non-invasive sensors to measure a number of things in your blood, including blood pressure, blood sugar, and alcohol levels. And it's thought that in the near future... Stay away from my hobbies. uh, It's thought in the near future, uh, the Apple Watch is going to be able to monitor all of those things for you. Cool. That would... Oh, man, for a guy like me who who, uh, is treated for... 
hypertension, high blood pressure, that'd be great. Not to mention blood sugar. If you knew you were getting close to pre-diabetes mm. before you were there and you'd screwed up your system, that'd be incredible. How does valuable. it do it without stick? Does it, so the, the watch has a pin in it and it just sticks you every once in a while? And the mon- exactly. It, it jabs you right through your... No, it's a, it, a rusty it, saw blade right on the... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It just goes zitzu, zitzu, zitzu every hour. No, it's non-invasive. I don't understand how, the how that works, how do you well, check my blood you're sugar? Not a scientist. How do you check my blood Tell sugar? Tell me how email works. You don't know that either. <laughs> yeah. Nah, 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 nah. A series of tubes. <laughs> Plus, now Sean and I can get together and play Who's Drunker with our alcohol levels. Right? Let's oh, make the numbers go. Oh, I can't imagine back when I drank if I could have t- taken a look at that. I you know, guess, 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 guess what I am. Finish watching The Godfather 2 for the 90th time. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. Oh, my God. How many people live through this number? High score! (laughs) I win. So look for that. Oh, my God, or you wake up the next morning and you're able to take a look at what the score was the night before. Oh, jeez. That's not good. I need Mm. to take a long look at myself. Yeah. No wonder I'm feeling a little under the weather today. (laughs) Conversation's hitting a little close to home. Is there something else we can talk about? (laughs) Let's get back to blood sugar. It's a fascinating topic. We'll do a little, is it a Preakness horse or a streaming service, a streaming show, <laughs> coming up in a little bit. Um, Bit Bitcoin is tanked after Elon Musk says Tesla is not going to take it anymore. Man, the ups what? and downs of cryptocurrency. Should I buy now that it's down? Maybe today's the day I should jump in with both feet. Armstrong and Getty.